Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Diva Behavior, the podcast where we talk about women in pop culture with very funny people in very serious ways. I'm your host, Molly Mulshine, and I don't have much to say in this intro because I'm freaking exhausted. Your girl is booked and busy. I've been very busy with lots of different projects, none of which pay actual money at this juncture. It's all hypothetical money theoretical money which is the worst kind of money it's not accepted anywhere one person who doesn't have that problem is wendy williams wendy williams has been steadily building and amassing a media empire for decades she's been working on it since the days when she was a radio host she kills it she really does year after year she just delivers crazy ratings on her show she is constantly going viral becoming a meme all the time She knows what she's doing. She knows how to connect with people, and she knows how to monetize it. And I wish she could give me some advice right now. Fun fact that I talk about in this episode, I did interview her once, and she did give me advice indirectly. I wasn't like, hey, Wendy, what do I do? But I said, what would your advice be for people in their 20s who want to have a career like yours? And she said, don't have a social life. Don't go out. Just focus on work. And I mean, mission accomplished Thanks to the pandemic, I'm excelling at that, but I still, I didn't, I didn't ask her about the monetization piece and I really should have done that, but I didn't. So now I'll never know. My guests this week are Millie Tamarez and Melissa Rich. They are two hilarious New York City based comedians. They both got together to watch Wendy Williams' recent Lifetime movie double feature. She released a biopic and a documentary in tandem on Lifetime, which I would say is probably unprecedented. I just love how she does whatever she wants and it works all the time. And she's just the best. She just knows what she's doing and it's amazing. So I had a great time talking about Wendy with Millie and Melissa. So enjoy the episode. Please rate and review Diva Behavior on Apple Podcasts and follow me, Molly Molshine, on Twitter and Instagram at Molly Molshine. Some people think Diva's a diva to you. Would you say, are you one? I never said that. Diva behavior. Great, uh, great gowns, beautiful gowns. Of course, I don't trust you. Diva behavior, the podcast. So we're going to talk about Wendy Williams today and her beautiful new biopic and documentary. And my guests are Millie Tamarez and Melissa. Melissa, how do you say your last name? What do you go by? Do you I actually go by Rich now. Yeah, okay. I had like a long, confusing Polish last name and now I go by Melissa Rich. All right. You're my second Polish guest in a row. Last week we had Lucy and Jack who also goes by not his real Polish last name. So... Yeah, it's the people I did for a long time. And part of me was kind of like, no, I'm not going to change it. Like, I love sounding like a linebacker. Like, it sounds so (laughs) cool. But eventually, it's just like the question of like, how did uh, uh," and you're just like, okay, enough. It's enough. Yeah. 
All right, cool. So Millie Tamaras, Melissa Rich, Wendy Williams, both of you watched both of these movies together, right? Back to back, honey. So there was a biopic and a doc- documentary that came out. And so that's about four hours of Wendy-centric programming. And I'm not yeah. saying I've never been there before, but what inspired the two of you to get together for this cultural moment? Um, I don't think there was a question if it was or wasn't going to happen. It was yeah, no, it destiny. I, yeah. I will say, so early in quarantine, like like a year ago, honestly, which, God, yeah. it feels so crazy. We were watching, we were getting together and watching Lifetime movies. Um, and then Lifetime, first of all, Lifetime movies are, I, like, what is it, canonically, like, super dramatic, like, weirdly low budget, and they're funny. They're, like, funny and overdramatic. Wow. It's just, like, kind of, like, camp. That's a yeah. good way. It's well, the Meghan Markle. We love so, the Meghan Markle. So, so we want they they had part one and part two of the Meghan Markle biopic, and it's so funny because it's like stuff that's like two three years removed. They're gonna do a part three. Also, part one and part two of the Meghan Markle biopic, different cast. Two Megan. <laughs> <laughs> two different Megan. Two different Harrys. We're trying I to get to Millie to be the third. I think yeah, it's gonna I happen. I think it could happen. When I straighten my hair and wear the right. Uh, shapewear. I could kind of look 100%. Also, it's a great time. It's a great sign that the first girl who played Megan on Lifetime, it just catapulted her career to such heights that she couldn't do the sequel. Exactly. So I will say, the first girl and the first Harry, the first Megan had such strong chemistry and they were both hot. The second Megan looked just exactly like. Well, it was Megan. also like, was it just quarantine and we were all so horny and weird that yeah. we were like, oh my god, their no. chem is amazing. But it was no. better in the first for sure. So I will say, sorry, I will say that Lifetime did a concerted effort in the last like few years to shift. They're focusing more on black, like older black women demo. So a lot of the stories that you'll see are targeting them. So it's really interesting. Like they had a, they had this really like, like a lot of things are produced by Mary J. Blige. That's how you. Know. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because all the older white women are now just distracted by QAnon? I don't probably, I, probably, but I feel like I, I don't. You They're know, watching The Bachelor. I mean, I think it's great. There really hasn't been any a lot targeted. There's not been a that lot, market. and I feel like they're getting that, like, 25, like, the 25 to 35 or 45, 50, whatever, like, age range, like, for black women. Because, yeah, like, The Bachelor, they have, they don't have The Bachelor, they have Married at First Sight, but every year, there's, every season, there's at least one or, if not two. Now, consistently, it's two, if not three black couples on Married at First Sight, which you'll just never see. So, like, I don't know what the purpose of it is. They're also, like, A&E. Like that's like Lifetime, A and E, History Channel, and History Channel's so like white supremacist. <laughs> like all yeah. these things are about like Hitler and stuff. So I'm wondering if that's their way of like getting so that A and E can have offerings to like Pepsi and everything. It's like okay, well we have the History Channel, which is all the QAnon people, and then we have mm-hmm. Lifetime, which is all like the black people and all this. And you know what? It's, they have Little Women. Like, do you mm-hmm. know Little Women? Um, well, about little people. Yeah, which is like, I thought it was going to be like the TLC thing, which like a documentary kind of style. No, it's literally Real Housewives of Atlanta, but little people. Yeah, I've seen some of the like clips online. So I guess the the thing... 
great. So I guess the thing is you guys were on to Lifetime, hook, line, and sinker, early quarantine days. And then when you saw that Wendy Williams was producing her own biopic, which is truly a move that is so so diva and she's just an auteur clearly very few cultural icons have the chance to be the auteur of their own biopic so what was your reaction when you found out this was coming out i messaged millie immediately i was like this is all of our interests you know conjoined and it was also just like of course she was gonna produce it she was not gonna not have complete control over it which i think i was like this will up it this will make it better i think and like i think that right so lifetime has all these like they made the aaliyah one the tony braxton mm-hmm. the whitney houston but Which wendy produced the aaliyah one but i didn't know yeah. and yeah. there was actually people did not like it people, people did not were, like it It was not authorized by the family exactly. and yeah it was yeah and like drama. they didn't get a consent on a, they, we also watched the britney one the britney oh my god that's right and that's how i learned a lot about the britney stuff but that's about the sam lefty stuff the sam sure. lefty. They, they really they, focus on that they focus on the sam lefty stuff which i didn't even know that much about honestly. it's crazy that the britney new york times thing came out like around this wendy one like Obviously, they're very different, but it was just kind of like strange to watch both of them around the same time. It was the same weekend I watched it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. There but, are some major parallels. I for would sure. Say. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, what was it? And think? then to hear Wendy's like comments, which I'm sure we'll get into, but just like I don't know, it's just like this, and why I'm interested in her in general is it seems that she just kind of like functions in this way where she's able to say this stuff that everyone hears and is like, that's crazy. And then we just turn the page, go on with your day, whatever. And like she did about Britney Spears saying that like, well, there should be always a man in charge of your money. And if you're not married, that should be your dad or whatever. And it's just like, what? She literally said that, that, like, she said that like this week. This week. like, And then so so you see that play out. Yeah. And you see that play out in her life and you see like kind of how her opinions and kind of the stuff that she says that seems really out of touch and really just kind of insane. Um, but it was, it was just cool to see how that came from and that she like still stands firm in these things, no matter how her story is, the narrative has gone. She has a really interesting like code of ethics because it's kind of like she definitely has one. She definitely has some sort of moral code that she adheres to, but I just can't Mm -hmm. put down what it is. And I don't really, I don't want to judge if she's a good or bad person. I just find her like extremely entertaining. And I think, yeah, say whatever you want. I think that's the code. That's the code to be entertaining. It's so funny that she got in trouble for for producing, not in trouble, but there was a backlash against the Aaliyah documentary. And then she kind of, I guess, was like, okay, well, I'm not letting anyone do to my story what I did to Aaliyah's. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I guess like the whole thing. And I mean, I think like what the critique of the Aaliyah one was that like the whole kind of allure of Aaliyah is that there's like this mystery, like you don't really know. And like, she didn't really even talk about like the most traumatic. She was still so young that she hasn't even processed like some of the most traumatic with her. And like, we don't know and all this stuff. And like, yeah. So I remember watching the Wendy Williams like trailer and I'm like, what a mess. And they're like, and part two, what a mess. mess. Literally the name of the doc is called Wendy Williams. What a mess. So crazy. <laughs> so I was like, Hilarious. I have to watch this. And it was so, literally the black eye Tanya. 
<laughs> you oh did give it, and I was like, yeah, yeah. Like how she was narrating it. It was like this is the Black Eyed Tanya. I loved the narration. Yeah, I thought that was, was really fun. The narration, the structure of this film, it was like a crime scene reenactment that stretched for two hours. It was like narration, 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 two lines of dialogue, another 10 minutes of narration, and then like three more lines of dialogue. I thought it was so funny how they did that because like in screenwriting, the first rule is like avoid narration at all costs. And this one was just like, it's going to be 90% narration. And it worked. This is what I think happened. I think Lifetime interviewed because when you watch the doc, like they showed the doc after. But what I think that what I think they did was they interviewed Wendy. They had like this series of interviews in her house and all the stuff, which like we'll talk about the doc later because that that was trauma. Like this was the 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 movie was fun. The doc was trauma, <laughs> but I think they interviewed Wendy and then they basically came up with an outline and just wrote the story. But it was literally and then Wendy signed off on it, you know. But I. I think like that's and honestly like it does break the rules of you know like this movie's not getting an Oscar but I think it was pretty good and like had it had more budget or higher profile it could have been like I thought it was better than I Tanya because I, you know it uses the same style as I Tanya and whatever I Tanya had like more budget and better actors but I Tanya really like like um made fun of like they kind of made a, a fun of the abuse or like ha like and then he smacked me in the face and like he smacked me 10 mm-hmm. times that day or my mom hit me you know what I mean and like kind of where I feel like Wendy's was like fun but it wasn't making fun uh, or like of the abuse stuff so yeah to they me, kept it heavy in that way they didn't just like make light of like oh and then this happened also, I think Lifetime is going to use that as a tag. I liked it better than I, Tanya, Millie Tamara. <laughs> That's going to be the promo. Like, who's Millie Tamara? Does it matter? Okay, the Wikipedia, I looked it up on Wikipedia. The plot line is literally, Wendy Williams is a teenage girl growing up in New Jersey. Kathy Hughes hires Williams to work in D.C. Williams takes cocaine to suppress her appetite. She gets a job in New York City as an MC. By 1990, she's working full-time in New York City. Williams remains addicted to cocaine during her marriage. <laughs> However, she finally quits cocaine. And that's it. That's all they put for the what? whole plot. So like, I feel like that's like, that's as much as Lifetime knew. I think you're exactly right, Millie. They were like, we'll just have Wendy fill in the gaps. And they were kind of like, actually, let's just have that be the story. Yeah, it becomes are interviews. the whole story of their divorce and their marriage. And I was happy to see all that stuff because it's interesting, but I thought it was going to be more about her career. But something really funny, I know, Millie, you saw my tweet about this, but Melissa, I interviewed Wendy a couple years ago. I like shadowed her for a day and interviewed her. And one of the things she said to me, I was like, what's your, adv-? I was like, you've been so successful in broadcast. You're like this broadcast icon. What's your advice for young women who want to do what you've done? And she said, oh, I didn't, I skipped out on so many parties in my twenties. I really had no social life. And all I did was like focus on work. And then I'm watching the movie and I'm like, you were just like partying and doing coke. That's hilarious. (laughs) Like, it was so funny to see that. That's funny you say that. Adamant. I met her too in 2017. And like, it was just like, it was literally just like, I am in the presence of something and I am just going to like soak it all in. So I was just like trying to watch like her every move. And she was so like, almost like volatile energy, just like so up and down. Also, we were filming like around, you know, town, not like in a studio. So she was like, supposedly like hates that. 
And she did like sit down with all the girls and like give them advice on like their career. And it was the most like, she was just pulling it out. Like she was like, yeah, focus, don't hang out. Don't do anything. Cause that's when everything happens. And she's like, don't miss those, op- those moments. You could be friends with someone and blah, blah, blah. It was just like totally like back and forth information. It was hilarious. I but- think that Wendy, like, I don't like, I don't think she had like a core group of friends and they hung out every weekend. I don't yeah. think she was going on vacations mm-hmm. with friends. I mean, maybe that's why, you know, not that's why her life ended up like whatever, but I feel like she did party, but I feel like it was like, not really like it was either networking or because yeah, um what they talk really about point. what they talk about in the doc is that she meets her her husband when she's 29 or something right and he's 23 um which i love that they explained a hood 23 is actually like a hood 40 like a, a real world 40 which and I the was actor like, who played him too oh i love both yeah. main actors i feel like yeah, Oscars. The, like, the, yeah, no the the Wendy the girl who plays Wendy and the guy who plays Kevin. First of all, I love watching movies and being like, this homosexual black man with Ju- Juilliard graduate. They're playing <laughs> playing like a gangster or whatever. Totally. But what was I going to say was like in the doc they talk about how they used to produce parties. Like Wendy would see it. They had a DJ and the, this guy was like a promotion guy. So I feel like a lot of the parties and like scene building was in her thirties with her man. But I don't think, yeah. Like, and then, yeah, if she's going, she was doing night shift in New York. Like, I do think there is some truth to like, she wasn't partying, you know, with yeah. right there. And the cocaine use seemed, first of all, I like that they kept the cocaine use in and that it seems very honest. Like, I think it's very easy, like for like the Elton John biopic that just came out or something like that, where you're just like, grow up, grow up. Like, this is nothing. This is none of the trash. Like, this is like everything. Oh, they didn't show them using cocaine? Oh, I thought the Elton John one had a lot of trash in it. You think? I was like, no, I would. I felt I like that one. I was like, Elton is in the room watching very closely. That's how I felt. I thought this one was pretty honest. And I think her cocaine use was more for her career almost. So she could do the night shift. She could, yeah, I don't think, think she was right. having a blast doing coke. I think it was yeah. more, you know, survival. Yeah. It wasn't like I'm going out with friends and doing coke and then going dancing. Totally. Like, I need to stay up. I need to stay skinny, which was mm-hmm. like so... I love so the honesty weird. about surgery. I love the honesty yeah, about yeah. the miscarriages. You guys, are I was right. like, and how I did I not know? Yeah, I associate it with. I, I think I just associated cocaine with like partying, and so that's why I assumed it. But I think you guys are right. She almost used it like Adderall. But my other question is like, how does cocaine make people skinny? Everyone always says that, but I'm like, what do you just take it all day? Yeah, that's what she was doing. And then also, like, I feel like um, she's using it in the way that, like, I feel like a lot of drag queens use cocaine and that, like, yeah, I need to stay up. Like, my job is to stay up and be entertaining and be on. Cocaine helps you help, like, be on, you know? Um, But, yeah, I think it does suppress appetite. I mean, listen, I don't know. Uh (laughs) But, I mean, I don't know that much about it, but... I just feel like if really I were professional. to think about what happens when you do cocaine, hypothetically, wouldn't you wake up really hungover and have to order Thai food immediately? Hypothetically. Hypothetically, maybe. 
Well, so hypothetically, if you're doing it all the time, you don't have the opportunity for a hangover mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's just part of you. So you're just on always. And when you're well, on, you're not like, I'm hungry. Yeah, totally. yeah. And she's um, probably sleeping until her shift almost is kind of yeah, what it she looks said, like. She said because she worked afternoon and night shift, she would basically sleep every day until 3 or 4 p.m. Wake up, do cocaine, go work as a DJ, and then go drive to New York City and do the overnight shift. She's not doing brain surgery. You know what I mean? Like, she just needs to be fun and on and, yeah. like, having a good time. So, like, that is the lifestyle that matches that job, essentially. You know what was crazy and dark about the doc, too, is that, well, I was watching... I when we were watching the scenes of her as a kid and like her parents, like what her parents would say to her and what her sister would say, I'm like, oh my god, this is like such trauma. Like this is how I grew up. Like, really? like they're always like, oh, you need to go on a diet or like don't talk too much or don't ask too many questions or you're too loud. So in that way, I identified with and stuff, and it was really sad. Um, but then in the doc, like. They interviewed the parents and they look like so sweet and cute and they're like an old couple. And then they're like, yeah, like she was really fat. (laughs) They were just double downing on everything. And I'm like, these people are the most toxic people. They look so smiley and cute and like, oh, and then the things that are coming out of their mouth are like so damaging and they don't even you see the gaslighting going on you can just like watch see it. it and you're like yeah given this i mean i'd be all messed up too <laughs> like i am messed That's up like... and my parents like i don't know if you would interview them now i feel like my parents would be like at least lie a little bit <laughs> totally totally <laughs> they feel some shame about like they have the self-awareness to feel some shame about like yeah, I mean, she was always a little, you know, but they were just really like. Yeah, I I really wish I saw the documentary because I did see a few clips from it. And it just has so many amazing little quotes from Wendy. Like when she said, I don't remember what she was talking about, but she said, I'm a toothanista. Oh, it was about having an eating disorder. She said, maybe this was just on Good Morning America on um like something I watched. I don't know if she said this in the doc actually, but she was talking about when she had an eating disorder and she was like bulimic and she learned that it messes with your teeth. And she goes, I'm a toothanista. And I said, okay, this is not the way to go. And I thought that was so funny. <laughs> and she, and when she talks about um, spray painting her husband's new house with his lover, spray painting at Kevin and Wendy forever. And then she gorilla glued the mailbox closed and spray painted it pink. And this was like last year, I think that she did. Yeah. It was not that long ago. I mean, yeah. Like that is like what I liked about this film, which again, like I'm comparing it to I, Tanya because it's very similar in style. But what I liked about this film was that, to me, it gave perspective into why she was with Kevin, why she was attracted to Kevin. Like, they really spoke to that, and then why she stayed with him. And then, you know, even in my life and, like, things that I'm working through and processing, it's just like, yeah, you're attracted when your whole family, your whole life is, like, you're too loud, you're too fat, you're not pretty, you're this, you're that, whatever. And then you have you meet someone who validates you and like protects you and doesn't let people talk bad about you and stuff like, of course, you're going to be attracted to that. And like, 
that was something that I felt like was missing in Itanya, which Itanya, of course, like, well, they don't even talk about in Itanya that they told Tanya Harding because she got married so young, like it looks bad because she tried to divorce him, even though he, because he used to beat her up. And they're like, if you want, like, if you want to be still in the ice skating thing, you have to stay married. So like, they, they don't talk about that in I, Tanya. They kind of make a joke about it. But in this, in Wendy's thing, you're like, not to say that I like Tanya Harding's reasons, like I'm not talking about the reasons, but I'm just talking about the movie in general. Is like the way they treated it, and like oh, like I understand. And even in the doc, like the doc was way more biting. Like she was way more like I hate. Well, because we saw her in her new life in the doc. That's what was so crazy, and I think so effective about watching the biopic and then the doc right after. It's like we watched her full life and how she got there in the biopic. And I found Kevin very likable throughout a lot of the film. And then you see her in this new apartment in Chelsea with these massage boots on her leg, drinking champagne alone, like with all in like her, the room just looks so crowded because she brought like everything from this massive house in New Jersey to this like tiny apartment, not tiny, but you know, this apartment. And I love the part where she's like, now I live here, not my fault. You know, cause she's just, wounded (laughs) she just looked so like hurt in the dock and i think that was brutal to watch after you'd seen this whole kind of like sort of love story unfold between the two of them and then yeah yeah it was hard i would say so it's like uh the movie was black eye tanya and the doc was black gray gardens (laughs) (laughs) it was dark Like, it was dark because you're just, like, she's, like, getting this procedure and, like, you're in kind of this house that, like, it just, honestly, the the apartment's not small and it's just she has... But it is crowded. And she's pointing out all of these, like, artifacts from the home. It's it's a lot. It's hoardery hoardery. feeling. Yeah, so it looks hoardery. And then even how she's saying it, it looks like you're watching an episode of Hoarders. But, like... It's now, you know, it's just, she just has a lot of stuff on the walls, but like, yeah, if she got rid of like 50% of that, it would look because like- it seems like, okay, she's starting this like kind of new life. And granted, this is very new. I think she'll be in a very different place in a year or two. Yeah. And, but it feels like she's not completely let go of, not at all completely let go of what has happened. She feels you just, the bitterness is seeping out of her. And I don't know if you guys saw there's, you know, been a bit of an outrage on social media. Kevin posted a picture of the girlfriend for Valentine's day. So everyone kind of like came at him for that, which like rightfully, like, what did you think was going to happen? But it's not like she's fully moved on from this and been like, this is my new life and I'm happy and I'm moving forward. She's still very, very angry and as she should be. Yeah, she talked about it in Hot Topics the other day, which is so funny because she always was saying like, oh, I don't want to be the Hot Topic. And she brings it up all the time, which I love. I would do the same thing. But she she not only like alluded to it, but she referred to the girlfriend by name. She was like, yeah, Sharina, like you've got all my money. You've got half my money now. And she even referred to the baby. She was like baby journey too. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah, she did. Yeah. That was crazy. I, um, and I think too, that this is showing. Yeah. Like she's not over it, 
So this is like kind of my theory about the relationship, like from what I saw and what I gather. I mean, I don't know, granted, whatever. But I feel like he's this guy who had this hard life, poured into her, and then she's a lot. Like, she's a lot. It's tough. They did the miscarriages. They had a lot of trauma. And instead of, and I don't know, I'm, and I'm not saying like it's an excuse. I'm not saying that Wendy couldn't have been that person for him. But I felt like from what I'm seeing is that all this stress, like I felt like he he probably felt like he had to protect her or like I can't go to her with this stuff because so he like poured it onto somebody else. And he's like, I can maintain my relationship with Wendy if I have somebody else to unload on, you know, like unload is, there, though, is there, though, the potential for Wendy is the star in the relationship. And then, therefore, that leaves the insecurity in him where he needs yeah. to go find. Because I think, it, like, how much younger she is, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I think that, like, much. I don't know why I'm thinking of Bethany Frankel. But, like, you know, it seems so fun up top to, you know, have your wife be this mogul and she's amazing and she's whatever. And then all of a sudden you feel bad about yourself and feel like you don't have anything on your own. No, that's exactly. That's it, too. No, I think I don't think they're, like. I don't think they're uh, mutually exclusive. I feel like Wendy's the star. I can't go with her with my insecurities. I can't tell her this and that. This is how I pay my life. So I got to leave her alone and just she's the queen, which is not really a healthy relationship either for her because, yeah. you know, that's not good for her either. So, um, and then it's like, well, here's this girl. She thinks I'm the best. She, I'm older than her. I'm wiser than her. Like mm-hmm. Wendy's older than him. So she's telling him a lot of stuff. So it's just like, I could totally see, which like, I like that. You know what I mean? I just enjoy media and I enjoy content and I enjoy things where I'm, it's not like bad, good, evil, wrong, right? It's like, well, I can kind of see how they got there. And like, I can understand how they got there and like, whatever. And like, it's totally a... As somebody who I see, I mean, again, I'm not like a radio, and I feel like at my age and when Wendy's age, where she was, like she was way more successful than me. But it is something that's scary for me as somebody like who has a strong personality, saw a lot of myself in Wendy, um, and is looking for a partner right now, and is dealing with a bunch of different crazy guys. Like it's so scary, like a like not a cautionary tale, but just like yeah, like this is a possibility. And I've seen it so much with so many of my great friends who like are really funny, really talented. And they're getting with guys and at the beginning, it's great. And then, you know, they start doing shows and like the guys will pick fights with them before shows. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what happened to Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey, you know? So stuff that's like in my head as I'm watching this too. That's such a sympathetic read of of Kevin though. I'm just like, screw that guy. No, screw him. You shouldn't cheat. Go to therapy. Work your stuff out. But also, like, yeah, like, you can have compassion for someone and still know that they did something wrong. Like, yeah. it's not okay. That's very Well, and also maybe not tie yourself so fully to your partner business-wise. Mm-hmm. I exactly. really didn't know that he was an executive producer on the show and, like, so heavily involved. I mean, being exactly. her manager, like, there was no boundaries within her career, pretty much. Yeah. And there was nothing that he did to explore on his own. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, 
oh, you know, I'm going to take, like, of course, like, Wendy's a millionaire. I'm going to have money. Let me take that and, like, start my own sneaker brand or whatever. You know, nothing. There wasn't every, Mm -hmm. you're right. Like, it was so tied. So that probably was toxic, too. Yeah, that's so true. And people get so it's always such a punchline when like a woman who's married to a wealthy guy goes out and starts like an interior design business or like a juice company. But it's like, at least they're trying to do something instead of just like loafing along, you know? And even if it doesn't make money, like, even if it's like not not nowhere as near, like, it is the empowerment of I have something that's my own, and I've worked on it and all that stuff. Which another cautionary tale is Kathy Griffin, who like husband started an IT thing, but he was really just laundering money out of her account secretly at night. What? Read the Kathy Griffin bio. Like, like Kathy Griffin's bio. And it's so funny because like, maybe now I don't know, like, I'm not going to judge stuff, but it's like, uh, Kathy Griffin's comedy, I'm not really crazy about personally. Like, it's not really my thing. But I enjoyed her bio so much because of the transparency and the vulnerability that I didn't feel like I got at all. Like, like Tina Fey a little bit, but Amy Poehler's was just like terrible. Yeah, but I hated Amy Poehler's. She like in the whole intro, she just com- she complains about having to write a it's book. A book. And I'm like, oh my god, I feel so bad for you. You got a book deal on top of the nine other like movie deals you got that year. And like you know, again. It's like, I get it. You want to have privacy and you don't want to talk about your divorce. But at the same time, it's like, honey, that's why I'm buying this. This is why we I don't love know. you. It's like tough. It's tough because like at one point it's like, yeah, we should have a boundary and like we shouldn't paparazzi and all this stuff. But the other point, it's like, I don't know. I mean, that's why I really like the, you know, my roommate was watching the Wendy Williams show like two days ago. And I watched, like, I heard some of it. I'm like, this is terrible. Like, the advice she's giving is terrible. Her takes are really, like, not nuanced and kind of rude. But I'm like, but I enjoyed her stuff because she was vulnerable. And, like, yeah, like, you can have, I want to hear your perspective of your divorce. Like, that's not, that's not exploitive for you to have a platform to share the lessons that you learned from you. I don't know. So then for Amy Schubert, I mean, Amy Poehler to have that opportunity and 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 not use it was just whack. But Kathy Griffin did talk about how her well, ex-husband did that. I think it's interesting you bring up Kathy Griffin in general because they're similar ages. Kathy Griffin obviously has completely tanked off of a canceling. And when you talk about Wendy and how much she's offended people and like, is she quote unquote, like uncancelable in a way because she does kind of function in this vortex of you know, an audience who claps and agrees with her and flies under the radar a bit. And in a sense, like if she does say something crazy, people are like, yeah, whatever, whatever. It's Wendy. She's, you know, she, we're expecting her mm-hmm. to make people kind of mad and uncomfortable, which yeah, is kind of the, a beautiful place to function in. And the people who are going to get the most angry about it are not her audience anyway. Exactly. Who's watching her exactly. show isn't, isn't looking for microaggressions or anything. I think it is so smart of her to be actually, you know, getting really in the nitty gritty during hot topics because it's almost like she's buttressing herself against future arguments that she goes into two people into people's privacy too much by talking about 
Sharina and the baby and really laying it out on the line, the next scandal that comes around, she can say, well, look how open I am about my life. I made myself look like whatever in all these movies and everything. Everyone knows I got cheated on. It's really vulnerable. So why can't I talk about this next celebrity yeah. breakup? Like, I'm and, uh, she, talked, yeah. she talked about it in the doc about like... um everyone was following her and she became the hot topic and she never wanted to, but like at the same time, she doesn't blame anybody and it is what it is. And like, she doesn't think it's wrong. I feel like you're asking about her ethics for some reason, like her ethics, it's, it's not weird or wrong. It's just like interesting. Like she doesn't care about, like, it seems like she doesn't care about paparazzi talking about her. She doesn't care about being the hot topic. She does, She's very, like, open about her divorce, the side girl, whatever. But she will not talk about her son. She, like, like all the pictures they included where they blurred out her face, you could just easily Google Wendy Williams' son and see all of that. Like, mm-hmm. you know? I wonder, because I think it was in May... The son punched the dad in the mouth and the son went to jail and they had to go to court and everything. Oh my um, God. They, the, the son, I mean, because the, the son's like 20 now or 21, yeah. 22. And the, the dad was saying something or like, it was literally on a fight about how the dad was treating Wendy. And oh. the dad, the dad like said something and the, the kid punched him. Good for him. And then they were like fighting and the cops came and they arrested Wendy's son and they put him in jail and all this. Like, it was crazy. So I, I'm curious um, if this was produced or happened before. Because I think it did happen in quarantine, right? They did interview her in quarantine. Yeah. yeah like, all this was, yeah. Um, but so I'm, I'm curious to, like when they interviewed her versus when this was all yeah. going on. I think she's made. like, son is off limits. Yeah. Because yeah. he's I, barely mentioned. Yeah, I think she her viewpoint on celebrity and her moral code is buy the ticket, take the ride. Like I decided to be in the public eye, so mm-hmm. uh, everything is fair game, and that's true of everybody else. And obviously, but not my son, but not her son. Yeah, because he didn't. Well, he didn't it. make the choice. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. I think it's interesting to call her a celebrity. Like obviously, she's a public figure and famous, but it's like when you are a celebrity because of celebrities, there's a different dynamic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like at that point, I think she does have the responsibility to be vulnerable and to put it all out there. But that is also what she makes a career on. The other thing we haven't talked about, she is battling Graves disease right now. She has like a full-blown autoimmune situation that I think they had to stop filming during quarantine because of that too. So she's just like also dealing with a lot. Like that's why like her eyes sometimes look bulgy, like all of that. It's like all symptoms of this autoimmune disease it's crazy um uh yeah she's okay i also feel like um it's like she she kind of made that pivot to hot tops but she was also a dj like essentially right right she was putting and curating things and like like that whole music aspect like doesn't even get like she doesn't even talk or touch or anything which is interesting but yeah i feel like and i also in i also like it was also interesting or cool for me to see like how when you talked about tablo or like gossip in the day like she had to read through every single gossip publication summarize it and then bring it on air and that's how she would do it not and like now it's so much easier and she definitely has researchers and outlines or whatever but like even that is like 
yeah, like that's what you had to do if you want. And then, and then it, it became a thing where people would go to her. Um, but yeah, it was very interesting. Her, her she would be doing like her own blind items and stuff. I feel like she was like the demois of like the nineties. Totally. <laughs> well, our favorite part in the biopic, I think maybe not Millie, but I feel like this is our favorite. So she's like waiting in the radio station lobby for two weeks, and then yeah. like her idol is ill so wendy gets to fill in and she immediately takes out the magazines and starts doing like her gossip and the boss comes in like you can't do this you can't talk like this and she's like no it's what the people want to hear and he just pivots like it's revolutionary it's incredible oh yeah it takes two seconds for him to (laughs) like like this is amazing and it was just like revolutionary it's like yet another like older black gay man who's friends with Titus Andromeda. <laughs> it's revolutionary. It's revolutionary. It's revolutionary. revolutionary. There was another scene where she just calls her dad and she's like, hi, dad, the entertainment industry is really hard. And he's like, yeah. okay, well, you better deal with it. And she's like, sigh, and just hangs the phone up. <laughs> but that's, but honestly, that was probably a, re- a real conversation that she oh, had with her. Yeah. Like, like seeing the doc after and seeing how toxic her parents are, I'm like, that was a real, and I've had conversations like that where like, I try to go to my family with like, everything's really hard. And they're like, well, I told Melissa. Like, this is the funniest thing ever. My dad's playing music. <laughs> yeah. No, literally, like, I would call my dad. I was in study abroad in Japan, and I would, like, call my dad on Skype, and it's, like, 8 p.m. or 10 p.m., and, like, like I'd call him over and over, and he wouldn't answer. Or even when I was in Guatemala, too, like, I would be in these things where I'm, like, stressed, and I want to talk to my dad, and he's, like, hey, uh, I'm, like, hey, like, hi, Bobby, how are you? And he's, like, hey, um, I'm using my phone as the speaker for this party, so you're going to have to stop calling <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. God bless. <laughs> so funny. Like, but like, you know, the thing is, my dad, you interview him about that now. Actually, he like he might have the self-awareness to be like, no, I didn't do that. He probably, I don't know. Wendy's dad would be like, no, we really connected. I helped her through a hard time. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. My dad kind of doubled down about going to um the hall that Malcolm X got assassinated in turned into like a disco dance hall and like Latin jazz and disco. And my mom and dad met in New York city, like in the clubs and they're very much disco Latin jazz people. So like they were talking about, and then like, I'm like, Bobby, you danced where Malcolm X got assassinated. He's like, it's a disco. Was I supposed to do not dance? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I feel like my dad probably might have doubled down, might double down in the, like the documentary about my life. He might not like, who knows? Yeah. My parents (laughs) would get amnesia in the documentary about my life. They'll be like, what? We never told her she couldn't go to dance classes. Of course. They supported every single dream she had. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's, that's so what I would be. So let's, before we wrap up, I do want to talk about this and the Britney documentary because I feel like they really do have so many parallels. Chief among them is, you know, one of the biggest talking points from this Britney documentary has been, should members of the media be apologizing to Britney? How can we rectify this? Blah, 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 blah. And Wendy very easily could have been one of the 
the the clips in the Britney doc of people of like Perez Hilton saying, I hope she keeps going crazy because it's so good for me, you know, but so it's just really interesting to see those two things at once. What do you guys think about like any crossover between the, the two movies? Or three, I mean, I Wendy, like you said, Wendy could be a villain in Britney's doc. And in a sense, Wendy thrived because of those kinds of actions. And even when she was like, you know, in the press, she's still kind of in control of the narrative in a way because she owns it and talks about it and then eventually uses it to forward herself. Like she uses it on her show. So I think that she's had control in a way that Brittany could never possibly have control. Also, Wendy can live a relatively normal life. Like she can go out shopping. She's not hounded by paparazzi the way that Brittany was. I think, you know, it's completely different. The way that they are alike is the way that, you know, men have affected them and mm. taken control from them in mm. a sense. I feel like the reason why, so this is kind of my, or like, I feel like Wendy really talks about black artists in the way that maybe a lot of pop, like, like gossip columns or pop culture, especially in the beginning. And even still like getting into black gossip in a way that like other mainstream things don't. So I feel like in that way, and because like where the way where it's like every single, every single publication was talking about Britney at once and focusing on Britney every day for Wendy, it's like Kiki Palmer and the housewives and mm-hmm. Puff daddy and this. And it's like, She's not, I don't feel like there's one person every day for three weeks that she's focusing on. So I feel like in that way, she's not like, because, you know, they were saying like, but who else was talking about Total at the time? Like she's talking Mm -hmm. about how Total's broke or whatever, but who else was talking about Total? Matt Lauer wasn't talking about Total. So in that way, so it's like, yes, she pissed them off, but she's not talking about Total every day. And then she's changing it up. So so in that way, I feel like maybe that's part of the reason. And then also, like, nobody else was talking about Black artists or is talking even in this way or giving light. Like, because in some way, like, one of her clips that was went recent was, like, she had an issue with Kiki Palmer, like, with Kiki Palmer and the Trey Songs thing where, I don't know if you guys know this, like, controversy, but basically K- Trey Songs is like, I'm having a party at my house. And, and it's like, oh, everyone went over and they're all hanging out. And then he brought, like, a film crew. And he's like, actually, this is my music video. And Kiki, Kiki Palmer didn't want to be in it. Like, oh, she did inside. And then she hid in the closet. And then she, like, threatened legal, you know, and then they were like, whatever. And then she's like, so there was like, a, they had a conversation about coercion and like consent and all this stuff and pressure. And Kiki sounded really great and Wendy sounded really whack. But then I'm like, but who else is bringing Kiki? But now I'm like, who else is bringing Kiki Palmer on TV to talk about this? Like nobody. Mm-hmm. So in that way, there's that. And then with the Britney stuff, it's also in both of their cases, it's also like, you'll never hear of Justin Timberlake. Or even like MC Hammer's wife or mom running his money and like making sure he's not making like MC Hammer had the mm-hmm. right to go broke. Johnny Depp wasted all his money. Like, so it's like all this stuff like that's so gendered and not fair. And like you don't he, you don't see the like the way that the wives work. There are wives that run the business and run stuff for their husbands. Um, Jim Gaffigan's a good example of his wife runs the show, writes the jokes, runs the mm-hmm. show. 
He's just wow. the face. But it's, I don't, you know, not to say that women don't have the potential or the capability to be abusive or something, but it's just not as, com- it's just different. So it's not as talked about. It's not as talked about. It's not as common. Like, it's just not like, you know, so um, it, it's, it's interesting. There's parallels there. And then I'm thinking about why she's not as canceled, but it is this also reckoning of like, what are the positions or like, you know, and I think this too of like, what are the values that we have as a society? Because to a lot of people, Wendy and Kevin were together for so long and like their marriage and they made it work. And they, you know, that was the values. And it's just like, isn't it better to just be alone or, you know, like we don't really value that or it's like, it's a failure to be single, but it's like, I don't know. So it's all this stuff. It's like people valued the the relationship over her mental health or her, her success or something. And like the same thing with, with Brittany, uh, Brittany was worth millions of dollars and could be capitalized upon in such a way that like, there was no protection for him for her in that way you know not from her parents not from anyone whereas wendy kind of had this like you know relationship that quote-unquote protected her ended up ruining her you know what i mean yeah. but it's it and is societal has half her stuff now yeah half her stuff and bought her that 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 probably and that house like that because it's one thing yeah and i think like that was the thing that was shocking to me that i learned in the movie and doc was like yeah it's one thing to have like an apartment with your side girl which you already had but to buy like a like almost one million dollar house ten miles away from where you live with like a back like you're building a new life with yeah, my so money. Bad. So insane. And I think you're so right, Millie, about how Wendy pulls from such a larger pool of people to talk about. Whereas I think the biggest defenders, I guess, in the Britney saga were, you know, like the late night hosts who are just literally learning nothing about her and using her as a punchline. Whereas with Wendy, at least she would she would go to the trouble of learning the full narrative and, you know, she might say or ask some questions about it that we might find to be, you know, one-sided, but at least she is coming at it from a three-dimensional point of view. And I also think that I wouldn't personally blame Wendy, even if she did, like, I don't really blame Diane Sawyer for that interview in the Britney Spears documentary because like journalists are supposed to reflect what the general public is talking about and what they're saying. So you're not really supposed to go in there and change the narrative while you're talking to someone, you know, like she just a little bit, because I think Dan Sawyer was absolutely abhorrent in that interview. There was no level of her being unbiased. She went in there shaming Britney Spears Mm -hmm. And took it upon herself to put her narrative, even if that's what a lot of like the mothers in the world were feeling. Sure, bring that up. But I feel like she really embodied that and put that like hostility into the room and into the interview, which I don't think Wendy does. Like you can see in Wendy's huge Whitney interview, she's asking about drugs. She's being whatever, but she's not judging herself. She's like, are you on drugs? Do you smoke weed? You know, just kind of like firing these questions. Whereas I feel like Diane was fully shaming. And same with those late night hosts. It's like there was no level of professionalism. It was all shame. And like, I think that what's different with Wendy is Wendy will sit there and let you yell at her. Yes. Like Gail. Like you saw Gail with R. Kelly, where R. Kelly like went off and she was just like, like, you know, like, that's, like, the decorum and stuff. Like, Wendy will, like, you yell at her and stuff and still... And I think that um I'm, like, a little conflicted as we wrap up. Or, like, there's just something where I'm, like, on one end, 
we need to start first of all this is like an effect of council culture like everyone complains about council culture but you don't get a society that that um questions how you're talking to a teenage girl without without having some kind of accountability and like having these conversations that we're having now. So in that way, like, thank you, cancel culture, because we would never view Britney in this lens without it. And the second thing is like, yes, we need to start viewing celebrities as human beings and being a little bit more compassionate and empathetic and stuff. But on the other end, like, I feel like there's a lot, you know, and as celebrities start to control their own narratives, it's like, I don't want it to get to a point where we can't question or celebrities or like, you know, like have critiques on them or, you know, like it, it's always with kids gloves. They have to approve every, you know what I mean? And we never get to the bottom of, cause like that's also, and I I'm thinking of Lizzo and like how she, well, first of yeah. Like, like Lizzo is a good example of somebody who, um, they, somebody wrote a critique on her album and she was just like, this is terrible. Like all, like all people who write critiques are, are don't do jobs. They don't have a real job or stuff like that. And like, it's just like, yeah, no, like there were valid criticisms and stuff, you know? And then on the other end, it's like, yeah, like I don't think that Lizzo should have to answer, but at the same time, I am curious, like I would want to see like somebody interview Lizzo about the diet pill stuff or the diet drink. Like, that's a question, but like if Lizzo's approving every single question that comes through, are we ever gonna hear her nuanced take or any you know, is it so that's I know like my thing, but Yeah, definitely. I think that's all super true. There it, it is a really hard line that we're all trying to figure out right now, like how much is something that we deserve to know and that the public is entitled to know and how much of it is overreach. It's it's hard. Especially with like this Army Hammer stuff. I feel like it's going into a line where it's becoming everybody's enjoying it a little too much. And it's like, whoa, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. And the reality is like very serious. Yeah. I have yeah. a weird story. My, I have like an old lady friend um, in New York and she was getting her first round of her vaccine. And she was like, she calls me and she's like, I have some news. And she's like, the doctor I had was very hot and we're talking about it. And he said, he's moving his daughter back from LA. And, you know, I said, why? And he said, she had a bad boyfriend. And she asked more and more. And the doctor's like, do you know who Army Hammer is? And it ends up being oh. that girl, Sophie. I think her name's Sophie. Sophie Lorenza or something. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, he carved a, something into her body. So they had to move her back to New York. And so the reality really, at first I was kind of like, oh my God, like, crazy like confirmation of this just like he said he was gonna eat our ribs you know and then all of a sudden i'm like oh my god these are real girls these are real girls she's a 22 year old model who was dating army hammer and her dad who's a doctor in new york had to fly her back and get her an apartment in west village to get her away from army hammer so like it's real stuff going on it's of course you're friends with gossipy old ladies. Of course. We have lunch once a month. Her name's Sandy. I know. <laughs> Very New York. That's amazing. Yeah. So Very New York. Yeah. One time I was in like the the the, the orthopedic office for like because I had like foot problems and I talked to this old lady and she's like, Do you know Remy Casimir? And then like their French she's like, Oh my god, Sarah? <laughs> Yeah, I gave her weed for the first time. I thought it was going to kill her. That's so funny. All these old ladies, young comedy girlfriends. They girl love friends. it. They love to get messed oh, up. 
we'll have four hour lunches where we're just down in Prosecco. Yeah, it's great. That's the I kind see of my- old lady I'm going to be. Uh-huh. You see your That's future? Amazing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. Well, do you guys have any final thoughts on Wendy Williams and these two movies that we talked about? Yeah. (laughs) My final thought is like, I really enjoyed it. I thought that, I mean, the documentary was a little grim and dark, but I thought it gave me good perspective and and compassion and helped me view when, like get a fuller picture of, of what, for both Britney and for like, and I think that's what media and art and content and movies supposed to do is to like help you get compassion and like, and understand human beings, which I thought it did. And even people that we view are powerful and we have you know what I mean? And like there are parallels in everybody. So that was something that I learned and thought. Love that. Yeah, same. I think it added so many layers to a person who I already liked and admired. I think it like reinforced the notion of Wendy Williams. It's She's very much, if you know, you know. If she's for you, she's for you. You know what I mean? And everyone else can just kind of, you know, go eat it, you know? And I love that. And I think that her being in charge of it, I picturing Wendy making the decisions like only added to like the richness of the film, which I thought was so fun. And I, it inspired me in a way to just kind of like approach my career with like more honesty and more openness and, um, you know, just really to be in control of your own narrative, I think. Yeah. Um, strength and vulnerability. And like, Mm -hmm. that's where, you know, that's where in the time of social media and being a comedian and stuff, I'm always trying to navigate that line because there are people who like, I feel like pathologically overshare and they think that's comedy, um, especially like tweeting online and stuff. And it's like that thin line between like, I'm going to be honest about something that really happened to me. And like, I'm going to be honest about my past in like a way that like gives me strength and, or versus like, I'm going to exploit this traumatic thing and like make totally. that my brand. Because she yeah. also kept it secret for a while. Which is, I think, like, another kind of, like, I don't think, like, weak thing to do. I think that that was, like, her boundaries and her protecting herself until she couldn't anymore. And once it was all out there, you know, she owned up to it and talked about it. I mean, there's still a sense of bitterness, obviously. But, like, which is something, again, that I had to learn. Um, And, like... You know, I, 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 yeah, I talked about it on other podcasts and stuff, but like, I, I just recently, like, recently came to terms with the student loan I signed and it was like really predatory. And it's like, I paid, you know, I, I took out 20,000. I paid back 33,000, 35,000 at this point. I owe 16,000. Like, oh. that's the reality. And when I first found out, I'm like, this is so upsetting. I'm so angry. Like, how can I turn this into content? How can I like let people, and then my, my therapist was like, you need to process that. And like, you're not ready. Like you need to work through just like I may destroy you just like all this other stuff. And it's like, yeah, like I think she's processed it and gave herself that time. She's not, it's not like she's completely like Zen about it, but she, it's not as raw as it probably was like immediately after. So I do think, yeah. Yeah. I would say I learned from all of this. I, I don't know what the opposite of a hypocrite is, but that is what Wendy is. Like she lives her, whatever her code is, I think she's living it. She is like, I'm going to like 
delve deep into other people's personal lives. And then I'm going to show my personal life warts and all. And I just love that. And then the other lesson is like, make your spouse financially dependent on you. And then they can't sue you when you turn the breakup into content. (laughs) Yes, that's true too. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Like if it was the other way around, I feel like she probably wouldn't be able to do it. Right. No, I feel like there's probably some legal mechanism at work. I'm sure they had a ton of lawyers looking at it and everything, but I just like that she sort of has the financial upper hand in the relationship, if nothing else. I mean, I'm excited you pull that off, Molly. Hell yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for coming on to talk about these films and this lady that we love so much. Thank you for having us. (laughs) Thank you, UK. We love the UK. Thank you, Molly, for having us. Thank you to my new British fans that are listening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We love love you. Do you guys have anything you want to promote? Um, Judge Millie, um, which is on Twitch uh, once a month at the end of the month, and my Twitter, which is at Millie Tamaris. Yay. I do have some stuff coming out in the next couple of weeks that I uh, can't talk about yet, but my uh, Instagram and Twitter, at Melissa Rich. Um, so watch the space. Some people think Diva is a diva to you. Diva Behavior, the podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.